Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome again this morning. Um, do you know um, whether you're here for the first time this morning or whether you've come for, for many, many weeks, we want to welcome you this morning because um, this is a place where we love to honour the name of Jesus. We love to um, uh, exalt him or lift him up uh, so that everyone can see how wonderful he is. And so whether we do that through our singing, what we call worship, whether it's, whether it's through um, our, the word that's being shared, whatever, whatever way it is, we want to see Jesus uh, lifted up, elevated, so everyone can see him and be drawn and be drawn to him. Let me pray for us this morning. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this very, very special time that we have together in the house of the Lord, to come and, to come and worship you, to come and pray to you, uh, to come and break bread together, to come and listen to your most precious word. And Father, we know that without you, we are nothing. We know that without you, we can do nothing. And we pray, Lord Jesus, this morning, that by the power of your spirit, that you would speak to every single soul in this room. Lord, you've allowed them to come. You have a word, I believe, for them. And I pray, Father in heaven, that you may speak into their lives and that you may speak the things they need to hear. Lord, it's all about you. It's not about us. It's not about this place. It's not about who we are. But it's about you, Jesus. And I pray by the power of your spirit that you may speak this morning. And in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I'm a little bit conflicted this morning. I'm a little bit, um, uh, what do I do this morning? Because on the different calendars, last week was Easter, this week is Easter. What do you do? Do you do? Do you say Happy Easter again? Um, do you say He is risen again? You know, all these different calendar dates that people have and people hold and, and people claim to be the right dates, you know, the right date. But you know, we, it's good that we left up this sign here, He is risen, because indeed He has. And for those who for those of us or those in the room that may uphold a different calendar, you know, the first thing I want to say to you is the same thing. He's risen. He is risen. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you. The next thing I want to say to us as a church is this. It's really quite interesting how people, how people actually get caught or stuck in this concept of dates and calendar dates. And they make this big thing as if to say, we are the right ones because we have the date. We have the right date. As if God is concerned with dates. As if God is concerned with getting the date right and your heart is far from him. You know, it's quite a bizarre concept to think that we are, in fact, that's what religion, that's what religion does. What religion does, it actually focuses on all the external things and says, yes, we have it all right, and yet the heart is very far from loving and obeying and worshipping the God. So you know what? I'll tell you this. Pick any date you want. I don't mind. If you want to have Easter next Sunday, we'll have it again. Pick any date you want. And let's celebrate the risen Christ. He is risen. What I'm, in, what I'm encouraging you guys to remember is this. Be free. Be free to know that what God is concerned about is your relationship with him. You know? And I love, I love the fact that we can say he's risen. You know what? In fact, we could actually probably make it, we could probably create a habit out of it so that, you know, two months down the track, two Christians get together and they meet each, meet each other for a coffee and the first thing they sit down, they say to each other, he's risen. Yeah? Another person who's risen indeed. What a beautiful habit it would be, you know, to be able to say to one another, because that's the, that's the truth. You can't keep the Word of God buried. You can't do that. Whether it's the living Word, Jesus Christ, or whether it's the written Word, the Word that we preach, you can't keep it buried. It's alive. And so the Word of God is alive. And so it's very well within our rights every time we see each other to say, He's risen. And you just say to me, he's risen indeed. What a beautiful testimony of the Christians who declare that Jesus Christ is alive and well because you spoke to him this morning. Remember that? Because you spoke to him this morning. He's alive and well. This is the risen, this is the risen Christ. And so we rejoice in knowing that our, our Lord is, is risen. What a book. What an incredible book this is. Not very big. Not very big. Yet, do you know the countless lives it has changed? Do you know the amount of people that it has transformed? Do you know the amount of people whose habits have been destroyed because of it? 
Do you know the, the amount of relationships that have been restored because of it? Do you know the amount of people whose, whose problems have been resolved because of this? This incredible book we call the Word of God, the Word of God that is able to transform life. I look around the room today and I see many, many people who have know the power of God's Word. Such a small book. And yet we come, we come knowing that this very book itself, not the actual book, but the words that are contained within it, the very word of God that speaks into our lives, that's able to transform our lives. And we, as the people of God, are unashamed of the gospel. We, the people of God, are unashamed of the word of God because we stand by it, we live by it, and we give our life for it. In fact, do you know what? Many, many people in centuries gone, many, many people, this book itself, the word of God, the word of God, it's been fueled and continued by the blood of many martyrs. Because what they've done is they've lived and they've died for the holding on to the truth. And so people have, have given their life over to this very thing we call the word of God. And a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, I began to share with you a little bit about how the Word of God is so powerful in our lives. And I want to I continue this this morning because I think really there's no other greater resource than this Word. Now, it's so special that when a person becomes a Christian, it's like they fall in love with the words of Jesus. They fall in love with His words because they realize what those words do for them. They realize. It's like the woman who said to spoke to Jesus and Jesus said, it's not good for me to give food to the dogs. And the woman said, well, you know what? Even the dogs eat the crumbs off the table. It's like, just give me anything, Lord. Give me anything. Because this word that you speak is the most beautiful word. You know, um, when I first became a Christian as a young teenager, um, we didn't have these things, believe it or not. There was a time they didn't exist. Yeah. That, that we didn't have these things, okay? Now, we, we are very fortunate because today we have these things and we have the Bible on these things. But what we did, a couple of us probably even more, because we loved God's Word so much, it was almost like it was kind of the modern-day Bible smugglers, yeah? What we used to do is we used to carry a Bible about this size, like a hard copy Bible around this side. And because we loved the Word of God so much, we wanted to take it everywhere with us. And maybe sometimes, I don't know, we might not have our pockets or whatever. So we did this. I'll tell you, it sounds a bit obscure and unusual, but we'd get behind our shirts and we'd stuff it in. So we could have it everywhere we went. So we'd walk around to the shops and we'd walk around to cafes and restaurants and all along behind our shirts was the Word of God. Because we loved it. So we could pull it out and read it whenever we, wherever we were. Because we didn't have the phone, the technologies that we have today. Because the Word of God is rich. It's sharp. It's powerful. It, it, it reveals things about us. It transforms our lives. And so many people know the power of God's Word. And I want to I go back and I want to look at that passage again this morning. I want to try and finish that passage this morning in Hebrews chapter 4. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And let's just pick up from verse 12. Just, we're just going to read verse 12 and 13 and read what this author is saying about God's, God's Word. A very, very um, well-known passage that I want in, to encourage you with this morning. And if you know God's Word and if you have this relationship with Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't this morning, I encourage you to think this morning, wow, if this is so life-transforming, if this is so liberating and it can break the bondage of my life and the addictions of my life and the problems of my life, then boy, I want to hear the words of God. I want to hear what he has to say because if this is what this man is saying, I want to know more of it. I want to know more of it. Okay? And so the word of God tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse, 11, uh, sorry, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Wow, look at verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That is incredible. It's incredible how much God's Word is telling us about God's Word and what it does for our lives. And because Christians, because your relationship with Jesus Christ is so genuine, I know what you do. 
When your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, is so genuine, this is what you do. You open God's Word and you allow it, you allow it to speak to you, to challenge you, to confront you, so it can change you. I know you do that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a Christian. You wouldn't be a Christian. When you come to God's Word, you say, God, speak to me because I'm listening to what you have to say. I don't want to be resistant, Lord. I don't want to deny it, Lord. I don't want to compromise it, Lord. I don't want to run away from it, Lord. What I want, Lord God, is for you to speak, even if it's going to hurt me, even if it's going to challenge me, even if it's going to stretch me. Speak, Lord, because I want you to tell me because you know more than I know. You see even the thoughts and the intents of my heart. Speak, God, because I think I'm acting really good, but you may have a whole other perspective to it. And so the Word of God speaks, and as Christians, this is what we do. We say, God, speak, because we want you to challenge us. We want you to confront us, because we know, we know you're going to change us. And what does He change us to? He changes us more and more into the image of Christ. And so people in their lives, you don't need to fear Christians. You don't need to fear, because if you're going through struggles, you know the Word of God can speak into that. Uh, young Christians, when, they, when you're faced opposition, you know the Word of God is going to be your defender. Young marriages, don't fear, because the Word of God is going to be your rock. And my, my security isn't that your partner is always going to love you. My security is that your partner is always going to love the Lord, and because of that, your relationship is going to be secure. Yeah, so it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's going to hold you. And so Christians do that. They, they come before God's Word and they let the Word of God change them. So again, like I did a few weeks ago, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions. I'm going to make the assumption this morning that you believe God's Word can help. Imagine that. Imagine you sitting here saying, no, can't help. Can't help, sorry. I'm going to make the assumption that you believe that the Word of God can help and that the Word of God still has value today because there are many, many people who will say, it is rubbish. It's nothing. It's made up. It's, you know, it's the thing that just deceives people. And so many people will call the Word of God this, but you sit here this morning, and sadly, fewer and fewer people in the world, I think, you sit here this morning and you are prepared to say the Word of God is still valuable today and is still able to transform lives. This is word, God's Word. Now, this is not a little study on picking up your Bible and reading it every day. This is not what I want you to walk away thinking this morning. What I want you to walk away thinking this morning, the Word that's come from heaven that's given to us contained in this book is what speaks into your life and transforms the things that need to be transformed into the image of Jesus. So it's not about developing a daily reading habit, though maybe God tells you this. What it's about is for you to be able to say, Lord, speak. Without resistance, what do you want to tell me? What do you want to say to me? Because when you confront me, you do it to change me. You do it to change me. And if I be someone who runs from God's word, then I just end up like Jonah, who gets himself in a lot of mess. So there's two truths I want you to leave this morning with. It's this. Firstly, that the word of God is reliable. And ready for the second one? It's very, very simple. And it works. Isn't that simple? It's reliable. And it works. Why would I ask you to give your life to something that's not reliable and doesn't work? To commit your life to something that's not reliable and doesn't work? Why would I ask you to do that? Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Word of God is both reliable and that it works, I'm saying to you, commit your life to it. Give your life to it. Give everything of your life for it. Because the Word of God is both reliable and it works. And if you see it this morning, you're saying to me, you know, that's fine because I've got something that's reliable and that works. Fantastic. Go and use it. But do you really believe that? Do you really believe that what you possess that gives you meaning in life, purpose in life, help in life, strength in life, freedom in life, the thing that you call life, that's not God's word, it's something else that you've redefined by your own imagination. If you've got something, you really believe this is your life-changing experience and you think this is going to be forever reliable to the day you die and it's going to forever work to the day you'll die, I can't argue with you. Go and, be, and enjoy one day we'll, f we'll face God and we'll know the truth. But do you really believe that what you possess is going to be very reliable to the end? It's, n it's never going to let you down? 
you really believe that it's always going to work? It's like someone who buys something from the shop and they get, that salesperson tells them all these wonderful things about it and, they, and they're convinced it's going to work and they get home and they find it doesn't work. They feel ripped off. We don't want to, no one's ripping you off because the Word of God, Word of God is both reliable and it works. And it tells us this. It tells us this through its Word and it tells us many things about what it does do and what it can do and what it has done for many people over the century. The Word of God is both reliable and it works. So let's look at the first one. For the Word of God is living. It is alive. It is not dead. You cannot bury the Word of God and let it stay in the ground. Like the living Word on the resurrection day comes alive, the Word of God cannot be buried. It cannot be done away with. People have tried over the centuries to put the Word of God away, but it does not work. When the people and the Christians in the catacombs were actually being um, jailed for their faith in the, in the underground prisons and then they would go to the walls of the catacombs and all the catacombs would say, but the word of God cannot be bound. You can bind us, but the word of God cannot be bound. You cannot change God's word. God won't let his word go away because it's, it's a reliable word. Do you know the saying that all good things must come to an end? Have you heard that saying before? All good things, oh, all good things, they must come to an end. It's not true. It's not true. The Word of God does not come to an end. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one one of my little bits of my Word are going to pass away. It's reliable. It's there to the end. It's going to always be there. And if you commit your life to it, you can commit your life to something that is absolutely reliable and trustworthy. It's never going to go away, much to the devil's disgust. The Bible tells us in James, in Peter this, listen to this. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. Listen to what it says. The grass withers and the flower fades away. Do you understand what he's saying? We as humans are like grass, the glory of man. You know, when man boasts in his glory, look how strong I am, wise I am, good I am. That's like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades away. We are perishing. <laughs> you, can't, you can't change that. All the attempts to make you look younger when you're older, they're attempts, but at the end of the day, you're getting older. He says, but this, but the word of the Lord endures forever. See that? And all the generations that have come and gone, all the generations that have come and gone, you know, as, as many people have lived, died, lived, died, lived, died, and the Word of God endures forever. It's a reliable book. Give your life to something reliable and trustworthy, not that is fleeting and will fade away. You know what I would love? I'd love, I'd love Christian bookstores to do this. I love Christian bookstores to sell their Bibles with a money-back guarantee. Wouldn't that be cool? Money-back guarantee. If it doesn't help you, bring it back, we'll give you money back. Because you know what I believe, beloved? If you truly open up the Word of God and humble yourself before the Word of God and receive the Word of God, it is going to transform your life. So imagine the Christian bookstore who's so bold and confident that says, you know what, we'll give your money back if it doesn't change you. Now that's faith. That's faith. You know what Christians should do? Christians should go back to the bookstores and say, you know what? It changed my life so much, I want to give you the money again. Let me give you double the amounts. I, I, haven't, I haven't come across anything like this before. That's the Christian experience. It's not a game. It's not a myth. It's not a motivational, it's transforming. It's the man or woman that humbles themselves that says, Lord, speak. Tell me, tell me about me because there's a lot about me that shouldn't be there and what needs to change. And the Word of God is living. It speaks every day. That's why when you read God's Word, sometimes what you read yesterday and you read the same passage today, God says, ah, I want to point something different out today. You think, oh, I never saw that, Lord. 
Because that's how the Word of God is. You had that experience before? The Word of God is living. It's not a book that you just kind of think, I'll read today and it'll get me through the year. It's like people who try and drive their cars. Are you, two, two different people who drive their cars, wait till it gets the petrol light comes on. And those who like to fill up maybe at a quarter or something like that. You're not, God's Word isn't like that. You don't wait till your petrol light comes on. You think, how much longer can I go? Right? The Word of God is every day. What it's doing, it's renewing, it's strengthening, it's building, it's helping, it's, strength, it's, it's guiding. This is the Word of God in our lives. And, unless, and if you resist that, you resist life. And when you, hear, when you hear it preached on Sundays or Wednesdays or Thursdays and Fridays, you're not resisting a word of man. You're resisting the word of life. When someone counsels you, and maybe one of the elders of the church give you counsel and say, you know what? You need to consider changing this. You don't say, why? Why do you say why to the word of life? The word of life. You need to wrestle with God's word. Don't wrestle with a man. Wrestle with God's word. And if God's word is telling you, that's who your wrestle is with. And so this is the word of life. This is the word that is preached. This is the word himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. So go, tell your bookstores to give you money back. Go and see. Peter said, um, Peter, the apostle Peter said, when Jesus challenged him and said, oh, they're going away. You're going to go away as well? What was Peter's response was? Lord, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Which book, which word, which truth are we going to find? He says, you have the words to eternal life. And Christians, you know that experience. You know what it means. You think, Lord, where am I, on earth am I going to go that's going to transform my life and give me joy inexpressible and full of glory and give me strength that is beyond my own strength and is able to do above all that I ask and think? Where am I going to go, Lord, like this? I can't go anywhere. You have the words to eternal life. So like Peter, we say the same thing. Lord, where on earth? am I going to go? And so we cling. We hold. It is reliable. It is reliable and it is precious to us. It's like the Bible says, it's more precious than gold and silver. That's why gold and silver can give us something of this earth. The Word of God gives us something of our soul, eternal life. It is sweet. Listen to what the Bible says here. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth in Psalms. I don't know, I love honey. And I could pour it on most things. um, It just adds that beautiful taste to things. The Word of God says that His Word is sweeter than honey. It is sweeter to your soul. It feeds your soul, soothes your soul, heals your soul. You get it? It's sweeter than honey. So I started thinking, I remember speaking to one of the brothers in the church who was telling me that honey was one of those things that never can never go off. So that's remarkable. Is that true? Now we know all the current day honeys can, probably, but the pure honey, the pure honey has the capacity, you know, to last centuries. Do you know that? Because this is the Word of God. This is, this is a picture of God's Word, that the Word of God is sweeter than honey. Listen to what I found. Listen. Now, again, I'm not a scientist, but I'll just tell you what I think I believe it to be accurate, right? Because natural, properly preserved honey will not expire. In fact, archaeologists have found honey thousands of years old in ancient Egyptian tombs that was still good. This is a picture of the Word of God. Isn't it beautiful? God gives us something that says, you know what? Have it today, and in generations to come, have it again, and it's still going to have the same effect. It is sweeter. It is reliable, beloved. It is reliable. Listen to what it goes on to say. I never knew there was such a thing, but there's actually a national honey board. Okay, listen to what they say. They say, they agree, they say, honey stored in sealed containers can remain stable for decades, even centuries. In sealed containers. Isn't God's word beautiful? Thy word I have hidden in my heart, sealed container, that I may not sin against you. How beautiful, yeah? The Word of God is reliable. It is here. It's not going anywhere. It is here to save. And it is, no matter how much you try and bury it, it cannot be done away with. Now, I run the risk here of misquoting something, but I'm going to say it anyway. 
I love the story of the French philosopher Voltaire. Now, some people argue this, tr- this story is not true. And if you do some internet research, you'll find that, yeah, there is some reasonable belief to say that it's not true. But then if you dig a bit further into the research, there is enough evidence to suggest it may be true. And boy, I wish it was. I wish it is true. And it's a beautiful story. And, and look, and for me, there's no reason not to believe that it isn't. And it's a beautiful story of this man, this French man called Voltaire, who was a philosopher. And in his day, in his day, he said that the Bible, this Christian stuff, within a hundred years of my life, it's gone. Because he was so anti-Christian. The Bible, I think he said, is just going to become a piece at the museum. Yeah? Interestingly, records, some records suggest, again, some records would argue this, but some records suggest that within a hundred years of his death in France, his house in France, the Bible Society purchased it and used it for their headquarters. How's that? Now, you might think, oh, that can't be true. Maybe it's not. There's enough to suggest that it is, and boy, I wish it is. How awesome. You know what? I wouldn't pass, put it past God to do that. To make a statement, you, you, who are you fighting? Who are you fighting? You're not fighting man. You're not fighting a building. You're not fighting a church. You're fighting the word of God that lives and breathes and is alive and cannot be killed or put away with. This is the word. This is the living God. This is the living word. And so you can understand God's pain in Jeremiah when he says this, Jeremiah 2. He says, my people, now Christian, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Christians, you can understand God's pain when in light of everything I've shared with you so far and the reliability of God's word, it's life-transforming power. There's nothing on this earth like it's sweeter than honey. It's the precious medicine for your soul. You can understand God's pain in Jeremiah when he says this to you, Christian, to me, Christian. He says, my people have committed two evils. Two evils, God? What are they? What have we done, God? They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Do you understand? God's saying, my people have done two things that really hurt my heart. It's broken my heart. What they've done is this. They've left the living water, the word, They've left the fountain of living water. They've thought to themselves, I don't need this as much as I used to need it. I can kind of have it, but I want to go and grab other things. I want to grab other ways to be satisfied, relationships, friendships, um, um, other possessions of some kind, latest gadgets, whatever it is. People have left the fountain of living water and they've gone and built for themselves cisterns, cisterns that can't even hold water. And so they're sucking at these cisterns that are running out from the beneath. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get themselves satisfied, but these jars, these vessels are leaking. And they're trying to lap up this water, but it's just not helping them because nothing is staying in there. And God's saying, what are you doing? Here you have a fountain of living water. And you think the world is going to satisfy you, Christian? You think relationships are going to satisfy you, Christian? You think possessions are going to satisfy you, Christian? What are you What are you doing? Come back to the living water, the most reliable thing that you first gave your love and life for. Come back and come solely on the word and let it transform your life like it once did. Two evils. And God forbid that we would be stuck in that, but rather we would be free and come back to the living words. And when the devil whispers things like, it doesn't work anymore, then you know it's a lie of the devil. It used, it used to work, but it doesn't work anymore. No, that's straight from hell. And the word of God is still living. It's living and it will speak into your life. And that's why people, it's fascinating, people after a message, will say, one person will say, oh, God spoke this. Another person will say, God will spoke this. And you think, How many voices were there? But it's God speaking. His spirit is speaking because it's alive and it's living. It's not motivational. It's alive and it's living. And that's what the Bible talks about. So the Word of God is living and the Bible says it's powerful, verse 12. Now that word there means basically effective or active. It's effective or it's active. 
I love the fact that the Word of God is effective and it's active because it means I can, it actually liberates me as a Christian. Do you know that? It liberates you as a Christian because no longer are you bound by your own opinions or the opinions of others. No longer are you bound by your heart that the Bible says is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You're, not, you're no longer restricted by what the mind is saying and your thoughts that continue to say to you, you you're defeated, you can't do it, it's never going to work, it's never going to get better. And so you're no longer defeated by your, the opinions of your mind and your heart, but the Word of God that sets you free. So you have a choice. It's living and it's powerful. So when the devil whispers and says, "What your, your situation now, done and dusted. Forget it. Leave him, leave her. Done and dusted. That's the, word, that's the enemy speaking. And the word of God speaks truth into our lives and speaks truth to say that this is an effective, powerful word that is able to transform what is happening in your life. And so when Jesus, when John's disciples were a little bit unsure about Jesus, or maybe for John's disciples' sake, John asked them to go speak to Jesus. Jesus said this, Go tell John the things you have seen and heard. Listen, tell me this, isn't, this is not a sign of effective and active. Jesus told John's disciples to go and tell John this, John the, John the Baptist. The blind see. <laughs> okay, that's enough, isn't it? Just that, full stop. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Wow. This is the effective, active word of God. Jesus was going around as the living word, making sure that the blind saw, the lame walked, the lepers were cleansed, the death were hearing, the dead were raised and the poor were having the gospel preached to them. This is the word of God that continues to be active and alive today and effective. See, when Jesus, Jesus gives us lots of good pictures because when the sea was rough, like the sea in your life, when the sea was rough, it took the word of God to calm the sea. Jesus looked at the sea and said, peace, be still. That's the word of God. And so when the sea is rough in your life, and boy, I've had those experiences myself. When you think to yourself, how am I in the world am I going to keep my head above this water? And I'm sure you've had that experience. In fact, you might be going through it now. It's the word of God that says, peace, be still. What about when you feel like your life as a Christian is just not going anywhere? Dare I say, it almost feels dead. It's the word of Jesus, like he spoke to Lazarus, that says this, Lazarus... Come forth, arise. It's the word again that speaks. Brothers and sisters, don't get locked into thinking the Bible. It's the word of God. And when Jesus speaks, peace, be still, he's speaking into your life. And when Jesus says, come forth, he's speaking into your life. Why do you still get bound by your addiction? Why do you still get bound by your greed or your selfishness? Come forth. Unless you don't believe. Unless you believe the lie of the devil that says it doesn't work anymore. Go get your money back, guaranteed. Unless he's convinced you that it used to be, but not anymore. Old-fashioned, unreliable text. Really? The Word of God is still living and active doing what it has to do. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't normally like to read out a chunk from somewhere, but I want to read this out to you. Please, let me, and you're going to love it. It's a story of a man called Gaylord Kambarami, who was the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. And he writes this in his book. Okay, this is from him directly. He says, In 1995, I went to the Murua rural areas, to distribute copies of the Shona New Testament. In one village, a headman refused to take it. He said he couldn't stand the word of God. I said, why? And he said, because it pollutes people. Does that sound familiar today? It pollutes people. So he refused to buy it. I told him that he could have it and just give it to, any, to, give it to someone else. 
He said he would only accept it if I allowed him to use the pages of the New Testament for smoking purposes. In the rural areas, you know, people use newspaper and whatever else they can find to roll their cigarettes. I said, fine, on one condition, read each page before you smoke. It's like Christian negotiation here. He accepted this because he was literate. So I left the book with him and didn't think much about it, didn't think about it very much after that. And then in 1997, two years later, I took a return trip to Marawa area. We had a convention there under a big tent. I was invited to speak and I told people how this book could change people's lives. Yeah, active. It's living. Now the same man whom I had given the New Testament to smoke was in the audience. Before the closing of the service, he stood and said, please, let me say a few words to Kambarami. Um, he was uh, dressed he was, he was dressed smart and in a suit. I didn't recognize him at first. He said, this man doesn't remember me because when I last saw him, I was a drunkard. But he came to our village and persuaded me to take the Bible. I told him I would use the paper to roll cigarettes, but I promised to read each page before doing so, which I did. Okay, he says, so I smoked my way through Matthew. <laughs> and I smoked my way, I smoked the whole of Mark 2. And then I smoked Luke. I started to smoke John, but when I came to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, a light shone in my face. And now... I am a church-going person. I saw the light. Awesome. I don't know whether I'm more encouraged by the man's faith who gave him the Bible or the Spirit of God, but obviously both. It is active and effective. Beloved, listen, we're not that good. When I go up here and share with you as if some man is being amazingly sharing God's word with you, I'm sure my brother Harb would say the same thing. We're not... We're not here claiming to be anything. What is powerful is what you're hearing is the Word of God in your life. And that is what transforms you. That's what you have in your hands every day. That's what you go home and read. That's what you go and meditate as you're driving in your car. It's the Word of God that is transforming. And beloved, it is sharp. So it's living it's powerful and it's sharp. And the Bible talks about sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces the division of the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow. The reason why it talks about a two-edged sword, beloved, because a two-edged sword cuts on both edges. So no matter which way you swipe it, it's going to cut. <laughs> I love that picture. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's like sharp, like a surgeon's knife that wants to cut very well, arguably to do you less damage. It's not a hammer. That's trying to bang you into heaven. Like people say, you bash us with the Bible. Not that. It's sharper than any two-edged sword because it's cutting very fine to get to the place that it needs to get because it's got to get out the thing that's killing you. Get it? And no matter which way you go, this sharp two-edged sword is going to cut. Beautifully, it's going to cut. It's like in the book of Acts when Peter was preaching to the crowds and as he finished preaching, the Bible says, and they were cut to the heart. Ever felt that experience? Boy, I've sat under preaching sometimes and thought, because the word of God is cutting sharply so that what can be um, um, accessed is the very thing that's going to help you to get rid of. Sharper than in two-edged sword. Because no matter which way you run, it's going to cut both ways because you can't run from the Word of God. I love this about God's Word. Listen, to, give me, I'll give you an example. Say I noticed you were struggling with someone. And I said to you, oh, brother, sister, I, I think, are you struggling with this person? Here's the first attempt for the Word of God to cut. And you say, no. So you run the other way. Okay, well, the Word of God's sharp on this end. So you go to God's Word and you realize that God's Word says to you, yes, you are. 
and you say, no, I'm not. (laughs) So you go a different way. And it cuts again. The Word of God says, yes, because you're not made perfect in love. No, it's not true, Lord. So you run a different way. And again, the Word of God is sharp again on the other side. And it says, yeah, well, okay. And and it confronts you another way. Yes, because yes, it says, yes, you are jealous of this person. And you think, no, Lord, no, I'm not jealous of this person. And so you run another way and the Word of God cuts you again. And it says to you, but you're even too proud to admit it. So no matter which way you go, God's Word in its faithfulness continues to cut, 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 cut until you get to the end of yourself and you think, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I've been running. I have not perfect love. I'm jealous. And I'm a proud man. And you confess your sins to him. That's what I love about God's word. It's so sharp. So if one word doesn't cut, because you're proud, the next word is going to. And it's beautiful because it pierces even, the Bible says, the things that seem to be inseparable, joint and marrow, soul and spirit. This is how sharp the word of God is. Because the end doesn't justify the means. Do you understand that? Do you understand that saying? The end doesn't, doesn't justify the means. You don't say to yourself, oh, you know, I, I better not hang around that person because I'll make them feel uncomfortable. And so you sort of not hang around that person. No. You don't do that thinking somehow it's justifying what you're doing. No, you need to confront the situation. You don't do things thinking to yourself, oh, if I can, if I can um, just get to some kind of peacefulness amongst us. What's happening in the middle that has to be resolved? Your goal isn't just to be at peace with one another because you don't see each other. What's happening in the middle? You, self, has to be sorted out. And often with conflict, beloved, often with conflict, the issue um, is very well resolved if you just take a deep look at yourself. So it's, it's, pow- it's, it's alive, it's powerful, it's effective, it's sharp. And then finally, it is a discerner. It reveals. Boy, this is a hard one. Because, beloved, God's Word reveals, listen carefully, it reveals for the purpose to heal. Do you understand that? It reveals for the purpose to heal. We as Christians, because our relationship with Jesus Christ is so genuine, we want the Word of God to confront us because we know it's going to change us. And I think, dare I say, I think the reason why a lot of people don't open up the Bible, it's not because they know it. You know, people say to you, oh, I know the Bible. You might say that. It's not because they know it. It's not even because they think it's boring. I think one of the reasons why, the, one of the big reasons why people don't open up their Bible is because they know it's going to challenge them and confront them. And it does this because it needs to reveal things about us. It needs to reveal things like our lust, our greed, our selfishness, our pride. It needs to do things for us because it's sharp. You know, like people, I'll give you an example. People say there's white lies and other lies. That's a person who doesn't understand the sharpness of the Word of God. People will say, but it's only a white lie. Oh, I said I wasn't home because I'm so tired. I can't speak to them. Just tell them I'm not home. Or I'm so busy, I've got to finish my essay or my work for tomorrow. Just tell them I'm not here. And they, and they, and they talk about white lies and normal lies. That's, that's just someone who doesn't understand the sharpness of the Word of God. But the Bible calls lie, lie. And so what happens is that um, God's word comes and reveals things about us. But like in all things, why does God do this? Because he has our best interest at heart. Because he knows if he can reveal things very early on, he's going to stop a whole lot of headache for you. Do you know that? If he's able to stop greed early on, because it's sharp and reveal it, or selfishness early on, or lust early on, he's going to stop a whole lot of headache for you. He's going to stop a whole stack of things like violence, divorce, adultery. Because what he's going to do, he's going to stop these things because he's going to get in early and say, listen, I know the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Don't go there. Don't look it up. Don't visit that person. 
Do you understand? And because he knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart, he knows you think you know what you're doing. You think you're in control. You think you're strong enough like Samson, but I tell you the truth, you're not. And you need to get away from what you're doing because I know the thoughts and the intents of your heart, even if you don't know it, and I'm going to reveal this to you. And so God says, you know what? You need to stop what you're doing because if you don't stop what you're doing early, it's going to lead to a very big problem that's going to cause a massive heartache for you and for many people. You understand? Isn't God good? So people who say, oh, this word of God, you know, uh, it's just so legalistic. It's always telling me what to do. No, it's trying to save you. It's trying to save you. And so what God's word does, it reveals the thoughts and the intents of the heart so that everything the Bible says is naked before God. You know, um, um, it's ex- you feel exposed. Yeah? You feel like, how in the world does this person know about my life? Well, it's not this person, it's the word of God. And the Word of God is revealing things because we're going to give an account to Him. And so God wants to get things to get in early so that He can stop the things that are destroying our society. Road rage. Not for the Christians. Because God gets in early and says, settle down. (laughs) You'll get there. Relax. Just worship me while you drive. Ever seen a worshipper in the car do road rage? I don't think so. If you learn to worship in the car, just keep your eyes open. If you learn to worship in the car, I don't, and your hands on the steering wheel, I don't think you're going to see anyone road rage. I heard another phrase this week, load rage. You may be familiar with it. Load rage. It's, it's the era of today when things don't download quickly enough. <laughs> Hurry up, computer! You may need a new MBM plan or something. But load rage, load rage. Not for the Christian, because the Christian knows, you know what, maybe, I don't know, go say hello to my wife. Go say, speak to my kids when it's while it's loading. I don't know. Load rage. That's why the Word of God speaks with relevance and with power in the lives of of people today. So when you open up God's word, beloved, it's going to tell you that fear is going to trap you. It's going to tell you that. Do you know that? It's going to tell you that your fear will trap you. And then it's going to tell you to trust in the Lord and be safe. It's going to tell you that worry is going to guarantee you nothing. That's what the word of God is going to tell you, that if you choose to worry, the same worry that stops you from relaxing from avoiding people, from being irritated, from not being able to sleep. You know the old English word, worgen, of worry, means to strangle. And then the Word of God is going to tell you, turn your worry to prayer. The Word of God is going to tell you that your lust is destroying relationships. And then it's going to tell you, go die to yourself. And go and love those who are your loved ones. The Word of God is going to tell you that anger is not going to see what you most need and then it's going to go tell you to humble yourself. The Word of God is going to tell you that envy is going to make you sick and jealousy is only going to make you angry and discontent and then the Bible is going to go tell you to be content with what you have. The Word of God is going to tell you that people's opinions are going to restrict you. Oh, you can't do this. You look like this. You're not good enough. You don't look nice enough. You're not beautiful enough. It's going to tell you that people's opinions are going to bind you. And then the Word of God is going to tell you that God's truth is much better than man's opinion. So what are you going to do? You can come face to face with God's Word. You can tremble, as the Bible says, at His Word, meaning you come reverently before it. And you can say, as all the godly men and women of past have said, speak, Lord, because I'm listening. What is it about me, Lord, that needs to be revealed? What is it about me that needs to be cut? What is it about me that I'm doing that I think is right, but you see the intents and the thoughts of the heart? What is it about me that's not quite like your son, Jesus? And what is it about me that you need to transform? Lord, I'm here to stop resisting. 
I seek your face and I seek your word and I stop resisting. I stop resisting. I relinquish control and I say, Lord, speak. What is it that you have to say? I stop running away and I start running to you and I say, God, speak. I need to hear what you have to tell me. And Lord, I want you to challenge me and I want you to confront me because I know it's going to change me because everything you reveal, Lord, you do it, you reveal so you can heal. Amen? And this is the word of God. So, you can put it away and not pick it up again until next Sunday. It's fine. Well, it's not fine. But all the blessings and the transforming power comes through God's word. And the humble man or woman is going to pick up God's word, is going to speak, let God's word speak into their life and desire one great thing in their life and that is to become more and more into the image of Jesus. The very heart and purpose of what God is doing. As Christians, beloved, let us be the ones who confidently stand by the living word who proclaim it, believe it, uh, uh, apply it, because we know in its saving power, its saving power. As Christians, we stand by his word and all that it's able to do. Let me pray for us. Our loving Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your most precious word, your word that speaks into our hearts, speaks into our lives that reveals all things about us only so that it can heal us. We thank you for your great love that you've shown us and we thank you for the great love that you have revealed to us through your word and through your son. Father, we pray for this church that we are people who are open and non-resistant to everything you have to tell us, a people who absolutely sold out and surrendered to what your word has to say and a people who stand by confidently the transforming power of your word. And Father, I pray we go forth as your children, continuing to receive, to believe, and to be transformed by your word. And we thank you for this. Pray you bless our week ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name.